Hey guys, welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast with Josh and Danielle, where we talk about our marriage, family, and the everyday stuff that we all face. We don't always agree on everything, and we certainly don't have it all figured out, but we know that God does. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the He Said, She Said podcast. Danielle just informed me as we were getting ready to begin, that she's not afraid of anything. That is, that is not what I that meant. That is 100% what you said. But you know that is not what I meant. You are taking that out of context. You said, as we were starting, I'm not afraid of anything. That, that okay, y'all remember back to the story about him making me test the mics over and over and over again. So I started out, he said, test the mic, and I said, okay. I said, but I'm only doing this once, and I just tested that mic. And I walked over to the other mic, and I said, are you ready? Because I'm about to test the mic. And I leaned in, and I said, and this is the only thing I'm going to say. And then I walked away, and he was like, you're so weird. And I said, he said, you're just scared. I said, I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> exactly. I'm not scared of anything. Yeah, but in the context of the conversation, it means I'm not scared <laughs> of you tricking me into I'm, doing it over and over. I'm, you know that's the truth. You're right. You guys, it is like we were teased with some gorgeous spring weather over the last week. And in the last few days, it's been so dreary. It's like rainy. Like, okay, this morning we came out and it was nice. The sun was peeking. There, yeah. were, there were clouds. The sun was peeking through the clouds. And it I, was, it felt a little bit warm and then it was sunny. Like the last time I have no windows in my office and the last time I stepped out of my office into a place with windows, the sun was out. Yeah. And then as we were walking down here and I saw out the windows, it's raining outside. Yeah. And you know what? This morning, and as I do every morning, I ask Google, Google, what's the weather today? And he tells me, blah, 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 high, low with partly cloudy or whatever and today he said rainy and I looked out the window and it was bright and beautiful and I thought Google is such a liar and so you didn't wear your rain boots today I don't have rain boots oh remember they broke no like I had them for so so long that they just cracked oh those are the ones with like the polka <laughs> the dots polka on dot them. ones yeah. and those are the only pair of rain boots I've ever owned and I love them dearly and now I don't have any rain boots. It's terrible because like now I don't know whether to turn the heat on or the air conditioning on at home. So like I think the heat has been on twice this week and the air conditioning has been on twice this week. Yeah, I could smell it last night. Did you turn it on last night? The yes. heat? Yeah. Yes. It felt wonderful. Well, as this you morning, know, I, I am always hot. I am always freezing cold. Except hot. in the middle of the night. Why does that happen, y'all? You go to bed and you're like, oh, I'm freezing cold. And you have like multiple blankets and your fuzzy socks and you wake up and you like throw back the covers, pull off your socks and you're like sweating to death. Why does that happen in the middle of the night? I don't know. Does that happen to you? No. Maybe I'm, I'm just, yeah. Maybe I need to see a physician. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, along with like warmer weather is always like my favorite, one of my favorite things about the summertime is eating ice cream. Oh yeah. I love Love ice cream. There, but for me, it's like a summertime thing. Like, I, I don't like to eat ice cream in the winter. No, and I don't know what is wrong with you. You've got this, like, <laughs> obsession. What? Obsession. It's not just like you what? like ice cream. It's like you're obsessed. It is not that I'm obsessed with ice cream. Like, I don't eat ice cream every day. Well, you used to. When? When you were growing up, you used to. And well, at the beginning of our true. marriage, you used to. But that would explain night. it. Like, that would become, like, a part of me because I loved ice cream so much. Yeah, and I I just don't. 
No, you're weird. Yeah, I think I just, I will eat a little bit of ice cream and be totally happy. Like I can get the smallest, unless it's the, uh, an ice cream sundae, then I might want to get, you know. But there aren't scoops. many people like you. Like most people like ice cream, right? I probably, I don't know. I think for me, it's just the temperature. I mean, I like ice cream. I do eat ice cream, but it's not like I'm dying for ice cream. You know what I do like to do in the summertime after church? I don't know because I think, no, I think you're right. I think it goes back to our childhood. It's like nostalgia. It really is because my mom and dad used to always crave Dairy Queen after church. Used and to, they still do. Your I mom and dad <laughs> both went to Dairy Queen on their own this past week. And met each other di- there by accident. <laughs> she was like, I took your kids over to Dairy Queen to get a treat. And guess who I saw in the drive-thru? Your your dad was there. <laughs> they have so a Dairy she calls Queen by him their house. And is like, where are you at? And he's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you're at Dairy Queen, aren't you? Is that how that went I'm down? I'm pretty sure. I she think that's what she told me. She did not tell me how that went down. But I don't doubt it, not for one little bit. But yeah, every in the summertime, almost every time we went to church at night, we would go out for Dairy Queen after. So now, on Sunday nights after church, usually, you know, if it's not summertime, we go home, we have a snack, eat leftovers or whatever. But in the summertime, I'm like, let's go for ice cream. Always. Every, every time. Week. Even on Wednesday nights when we come out and there's school the next day, if it's nice outside, she's like, let's go get ice cream. I can't help I'm it. I'm like, it's nine o'clock. And what is that place that we go to? Jimmy T's. Jimmy T's, yeah. It's just like this little, I'm not even joking, just like this little ice cream stand in the middle of a Dollar General parking lot or something. We don't have a Dairy Queen like right around us. No, the there isn't. Dairy Queen is probably 20, 25 minutes away. There yeah, is and, one in the mall. And but I, who wants to go to the mall to go to? Actually, I don't know if that's there anymore. I don't think so. But I don't actually prefer Dairy Queen. I actually do like. Okay, coolest a thing stand. about Dairy Queen. What is it? The coolest thing. The coolest thing. I know what you not like. Temperature wise, but what's the coolest thing there? I know what you're going to say, but I'm not going to say it. Why? Because you don't know what I'm going to say. I do know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? I like what I was used to get when we went to Dairy Queen was like a vanilla. I'm not talking about your favorite ice cream. Soft serve. From Dairy Queen. With the hard crunch and the nuts. That's my absolute favorite. I'm not talking about that, though. But the coolest thing? The coolest thing that they do at Dairy Queen. When they turn the blizzard upside down. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. And sometimes they, like, I've been to Dairy Queen before where they don't do that. And it's so disappointing. It, like, makes the blizzard? Yes, because I want to see that thing not fall out of the cup when they turn it upside down. Or do you want to see it fall out of the cup? I actually want to see it fall out of the cup. So then they have to give me a new one. Did they used to give them out for free? If they didn't do that or if it fell out of the cup or something. I don't know. I feel like they did. I feel like you're probably right. But I I don't know. know. Anyways, we did a post on Facebook. Yes. So on the he he said, she said. Do you? It's like a. You can't even say it, It's like a tongue twister. You can't. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) on on our Facebook page, there is a, a poll going on right now. What is your favorite ice cream? We want to know. Most people. Now, we have our, this is an aside, but we have our Disney review podcast that will be dropping sometime probably early next week. Right. um, Monday or Tuesday time frame, hopefully. But on there, we talk about my obsession with chocolate and peanut butter. Now, here's the amazing thing is if you look at that post, the vast majority of people, Danielle, on that post say that their favorite ice cream is some sort of chocolate peanut butter mix. 
I didn't even read the answers. Oh my goodness. So I cannot, I can neither verify nor deny. That is 100, you can go check for yourself. It's 100% accurate mm. that the vast majority of people said chocolate peanut butter is their favorite. Obviously, Danielle is not a, as big of an ice cream fan. Every, I think j almost every reply that was left on that, that post has gotten a reply back from our Facebook, our podcast page. Obviously, that was not Danielle that replied to any of them. It was not me. Josh actually runs the Facebook podcast. Okay, page. so what is your favorite ice cream flavor? We haven't talked about this before. I don't remember, but we're going to talk about it again since it's the the question of the week. Oh, okay. Well, um, I think I would have to say that my favorite ice cream flavor. I think we did talk about. This. I think so too. So you better make sure that it's the same one that you said before. I'm pretty sure I said butter pecan. Did you? I'm pretty sure that's I what I said. I thought you said just plain vanilla because mm -hmm. I was like, vanilla? How could it be vanilla? I think that that was in my top five. I think we did a top five. Okay. Well, my favorite, you didn't ask what I'm going to tell you anyways. What's your favorite? You already know. But my favorite overall is chocolate chip cookie dough. That has always been my go-to, but it's got to be the right kind of chocolate chip cookie dough because some chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream makers don't put enough chocolate chip cookie dough in the ice cream and it ends up being vanilla ice cream with a couple little things of chocolate chip cookie dough in so there. what's the right one um turkey hill turkey is really hill? good really turkey hill has really good chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream hmm. um i don't know probably turkey hill would be my go-to I, I like their chocolate chip cookie dough okay certainly not the kind you get from like the grocery store brand they're always horrible because they they go cheap on you yeah you can't you can't get the grocery store no. brand we we have even tillamook which is like a, a a higher end ice cream brand it's like really creamy and it actually is a really good ice cream but i don't like their chocolate chip cookie dough because there's not enough chocolate chip cookie dough in it huh yeah i i, I do remember us talking about this before because i remember that you call me an old lady because i like <laughs> did i butter pecan ice cream <laughs> oh yes i did i remember that like i was I was like, I need dentures or something. I don't know if that something. episode ever aired, though. Maybe I can't it remember. didn't. Maybe that was our practice episode. It remember when we been. did a practice yeah. episode? I think it might be. Listen, y'all, before we started this and I said, I don't even know if I can do this. I don't even. How does it even go? What, what do you even do? I said, we need to do a practice episode. And we sat on our bed in our bedroom doing a top five, basically. This is this is kind of what it's like. A top five uh, ice cream flavors. And I, and I think I was judged harshly. No, Be you were judged harshly. No, no, no. I know. I know I 100%. was because, um, you don't really care for any of the sweet things I care for. You know what? We generally have the same taste in food. And this is what I think is fascinating. You and I both like basically the same flavor profiles. We like to try new things. If you like something, usually I like something. Except when it comes to coffee and tea, obviously, we've talked about a hundred times, but also dessert. Like you want a dessert that is like decadent. Chocolate and like chocolatey, chocolatey syrup and, and syrupy yeah. and rich, very right. rich. I want a dessert that's like fruity. Yes, you always want the fruity things. Because I feel like it, it, the tartness of whatever fruit is in the dessert balances the sweet. You want sweet upon sweet upon sweet. Well, I, I do want, want a balance. Like, 
like if I'm getting a big piece of chocolate cake, like one of my favorite desserts is Coca-Cola cake from Cracker Barrel. Like this really, really good, but super I'm, rich. I'm deeply offended that you didn't say the Coca-Cola <laughs> cake that you make. Okay. Danielle makes the same Coca-Cola cake. It's the same thing. Does it taste the same? It tastes the same. Yes. It's, well, it's awesome. This- Okay, thank you. Keep okay, going. Okay, so that's one of my favorite desserts, <laughs> but I have to have like a big scoop of chocolate, or not chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream with it. You want to know that something? That takes off the edge, or milk, or you know, something Do like that. Do you want to know why vanilla was in my top? Why? Because when you eat a brownie, what kind of ice cream do you want? Well, yes, but that's- what? No, what kind of ice cream? You what obviously kind of ice want cream? vanilla ice cream. Well, if you eat but apple pie, what kind of ice vanilla cream? Vanilla ice cream. If you eat Coca-Cola cake, <laughs> okay, what kind listen, of ice cream Okay, but listen, what I'm saying is <laughs> the top five was just simply ice cream flavors. Yeah, and I like vanilla ice cream. Okay, Because it goes, fine. it balances like everything that's, out, that's, and it goes with everything. That is- To be so judgy all the You time. are perfectly welcome to have whatever five flavors in your top five- that you want to have. Now you're singing a different As long as you tune. don't like. Because you know, just a minute ago you were like, I'm judging you harshly. As, and now as, you're saying you're you're allowed to what, have whatever. Do, what, do what you want. You do Whatever. You. As long as you don't say for your number three, like I want all the ice cream flavors in the world, which is what you did for your Disney movie. No, I didn't. I said all the heavy <laughs> all the, musical. All the musicals. Heavy in music. Okay. I did. But you only gave me two this and a half seconds is going to off think the rails. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's rein it in. <laughs> We, we, we need to come, come down. We need to start talking about the Bible. Yes. (laughs) Uh, My bad. Okay. So we're entering this new series of sorts. Yeah. Um, We've had some discussion about what we're going to, what we're going to call this new series that we've entered into. Um, Surprisingly, we can't agree on the name (laughs) of the series. How, how? We agreed to disagree, sh- and I'm I agreed to go along sure with- Sure, you're shocked. With, we won't re- review or re- reveal whose name it is, just in case- You just said I agreed. I agreed <laughs> to go with the name. The name. Here is the that name- That you picked out. Of our, uh, that, see, you just told. Oh, sorry. Um, The new series is called I Don't. Hope for when you want to call it quits. Okay, so here's something that we've kind of we we've we've gotten some feedback um, just about like dealing with difficult topics, topics that maybe um, maybe aren't addressed in church or you know just just topics that are difficult that that people don't want to talk about. So. I guess what I'm saying is this isn't necessarily going to be a fun, lighthearted, you know, no, discussion. No, that's what I was going to say. Up until now, I think all of our topics have been, um, you know, from the Bible, but we've taken a lighthearted spin with it. And I think that this this particular series is going to be a little bit different. Um, obviously, we don't want to make light of anybody's situation anybody's pain anybody's heartache anybody's difficulty in their family or in their marriage so as we enter this new series we hope that it'll be helpful we hope that it gives you hope but um yeah it might be a little bit more heavy than usual and that's that's really the intention and that's the prayer is that you know the the discussions that we'll have over the next you know however however long we're in this series is that it will bring hope to 
hurting families and hope to hurting marriages. And if you're not in a hurting marriage, so you say, well, I'm just going to, you know, choose not to listen over the next, you know, however many weeks. Um, I would I would discourage you from that, not only because I, I I want you to listen to the podcast, obviously, but because I think there's help that all of us can find in our marriages, because let's be honest, as we've said week after week, none of us have perfect marriages. Right. And I think, too, that you can apply this to interpersonal relationships, different interpersonal relationships. But I think, too, that... Um, and like I said, like Josh said, you can apply it to your marriage in some capacity. But I think also there are so many hurting people out there in our churches, like families, couples that sit among us. We don't even know what they're going through. Um, and many times people uh, are not willing to go for counseling. They're not willing that they might find it embarrassing, um, but they they don't want to admit or they don't want to go for counseling. And I know for me, I mean, I've had girlfriends come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? We're struggling with this in our marriage. You might be able to help someone with the information that you glean. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, you know, not that we, as we, we always say, not that we have it all figured out Absolutely. and that we have all the answers for every situation, but... Um, you know, it would be it would be awesome to get some kind of a, a testimony from these episodes that would say, hey, I was able to help a friend of mine with the information that, you know, that we gathered from the podcast. Um, so that's really our prayer and our intention and our heart behind this series. Right. Um, certainly not to cast judgment or stones at anyone, but to help uh, in, in any way that we can. Right. And, and here's what we're asking from you guys. Um, listen, listen, understanding that and listen with an open heart. But we're also asking you to pray over these podcasts. Um, pray for the people who who will hear this information. Pray that it will be useful. I mean, I know we're praying over the podcast, but, you know, if, if we all pray, um, I think that would be really great and really helpful. So um, since we are talking about... Um, you know, wanting to call it quits, saying I don't. I thought that my maybe we should talk a little bit about um, whether or not we have ever thrown that word around. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if you have anything you want to say. Yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, we entered marriage, and I'm going to speak from from my perspective, just in case my perspective is different than what Danielle tells you in a minute. But I would say that for, for both of us, we entered marriage um, understanding and committed to the fact that um, we were in this for the long haul, that we were not going to, to you know, fi- seek divorce. We were not going to seek a way out. Um, does that mean that there have never been times where you know, we, we've, we've had trouble and we've felt like, oh, it would be easier if, if I, if we just called it quits. Certainly not. I mean, I think every marriage, maybe I'm wrong, but I think every marriage gets to a place where at, at a time where they're like, oh, this is so difficult. This is so hard. It would have been easier if I never did this, or it would be easier if I got out of this. Um, But I would say, I'm going to speak personally for me that, 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 was and is never an option. Right. I think that going in, the intention for for me, I think for both of us was, yeah, this is it. I mean, no matter what happens from now on, 
this is it. We are going to make this work. But certainly I remember, um, you know, the first few years of our marriage, even for a while, that we would go through some difficulties, some struggles. And I, and I remember like, you know, thinking, you're not paying enough attention to me. I don't even know if you love me. Like, what did I do? Is it worth it? Like, I really feel like I want to. And I think I even said it probably more than one time, you know, like, fine, we should just get a divorce. But I think that probably that was said in the heat of the moment Mm -hmm. and out of emotion. And in my heart, I knew that was that was never really going to be an option for us. Yeah. And I I think that that is one of the things that we'll talk about in in one of the episodes in this series is really just our communication and even the words that we throw around, because in the heat of a moment, in the heat of the moment, you know, when when that um, threat is is made. If we're not careful, then that threat leads to the actual thing happening. And I think I look back on that and I think, oh, how immature, because it was like I wanted you to realize how serious that I was that I was taking this and how deeply I felt about this. And I wanted you to understand how deeply I felt about it. So if I use the word divorce, you'll understand like it feels so bad. It makes me want to do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we both knew knew that that wasn't that was not an option. Yeah, and, and that's that's true. So why is that? And uh, I mean, I, I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but I, I think it's good to answer since we're we're talking about it. Why is that an unwise thing to say in your you know in your arguments and your discussions? I mean, you're basically making a threat. Right. You know, you're you're threatening the other person that, uh, look, you're not worth this. You're not worth this. I don't care. I'm getting out. And that is just so immature. You know, you're, you're saying, I'm not going to fight for you. I'm not going to fight for our marriage. This marriage is not worth it to me to fight, to fight for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so today we want to talk about... Um, divorce. I mean, we just want to talk about, you know, what does the, what does the Bible have to say about it? Um, and, and listen, we understand that this is a difficult, difficult issue. And I want to preface the discussion today by saying, again, we're not here to cast stones. We're not here to judge. Um, we're not here to, if you've been through a divorce, make you feel as though um, there's not there's not hope for your life. We're, we're here um, to hopefully shed a little bit of the light of Scripture on this this topic. And um, maybe even if you're in a situation where divorce is being tossed around as an option uh, and you are facing issues that are glaring issues that you feel like can't be resolved, that, that maybe even this would be a bit of an encouragement and a source of hope for you today. Sure. So let's jump in. I want to start by talking about divorce statistics. Um, typically, um, in churches, you hear pastors say, um, basically the, the divorce rate in our churches is the same as the divorce rate in, in culture, in culture, um, in the world. Um, and, and I think that I did, I tried to do a little bit of research on it to, to, to decipher whether or not that was still true, because maybe at one point that was true. Um, and maybe if you look at it from one perspective, that is true, um, depending on how you look at it. 
Um, but I, I was looking at the American Psychological Association. I just Googled what are the current divorce statistics. And what I learned was that 90% of people marry by the age of 50 in Western civilization, but 40 to 50% of those marriages result in divorce. And I think um, about how crazy that statistic is. Half of the marriages in our country result in divorce. And, and I think, of course, it's so easy. Do you remember that time that we were in Walmart? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, so I saw a sign. In fact, I mean, they're still all over our community. Yeah. Here. Um, you, can, you can see them. They Basically, it's just a sign. that uh, Big letters, it says divorce, um, and it's advertising. What was it, like $199 or something like that? I don't know. It was, it was like $99. It was something super cheap. You divorce know, come, here for come $99. And yeah. And it was like, ugh. So divorce has become this go-to. It's it for many people their their primary solution to the problem of marriage. Right, and and I think about divorce in general and divorce in our churches. Um, and according actually to an article by the Gospel Coalition, um, there was a sociologist at the University of Connecticut who did a study. And he said that the divorce rate among those who identify as Christians is 60%, which is actually higher than the you know normal divorce rate uh, amongst the normal population, um, general population, I should say. And the divorce rate among, but the divorce rate among those who attend church regularly is 38%. So, I guess if when we say from the pulpit or if you've heard from the pulpit, it's said that it's the same. I guess nominal Christians, actually, those who are just Christian in name, who who claim to be Christians, the divorce rate is actually higher. But it, I think, was encouraging for me to read that the statistic for those who are faithful to church at least once a week, I, I would say churchgoers. Um, was lower at 38%. There was another um, study done by a sociologist at UVA who kind of confirmed that active conservative Protestants regularly attending church are 35% less likely to divorce, but nominal Protestants are 20% more likely to divorce than those who claim no religious affiliation in the general population. And I just thought that was so fascinating. But that does give me hope. It is It is a hopeful statistic. Um, it's still a sad statistic, though. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, if 40%, almost 40% of our marriages in our churches are ending in divorce, then something's wrong. 100%. Because that that's not God's intention for marriage. Right. So... Right. Um, a Harvard. I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is that those who attend church regularly, those who um, are active in their faith, they have more hope. Right. That's right. all I'm trying yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah. But so, you're right. It's still not something to crow about. It's yeah. still not something to be proud of. But. There is something to be said for active attendance and active oh, participation sure, in sure. church. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this this Harvard psychologist, Amanda Nicoli III, she said, divorce is not a solution because that's often how we look at it. 
like especially the 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 world the way that our culture has pictured divorce is that this is a solution to the problems that you're facing in your marriage you just get out of it you'll be fine you'll be good to go start your life over but she says divorce is not a solution but rather an exchange of problems and i thought that's so profound because really that's what you're doing you know for those of you that have been through this terrible experience in your family whether it's it's you divorcing your you being divorced from your spouse or whether it's maybe you experienced it in your mother and father divorcing um, it's a terrible terrible experience it's it's brings many more problems into the mix um, someone else said each divorce is the death of a small civilization about his own divorce um, he was a novelist he said each divorce is the death of a small civilization and it's so true you know God intended for marriage to be between one man and one woman for their entire lifetime. That's taught all throughout Scripture. We see that all throughout the Bible. In fact, what we see in the Bible is that marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant that's made between between a husband and a wife and God. In Malachi chapter 2, God declares himself that he, he hates divorce. And so, divorce was not, divorce was not necessarily... Um, it, not necessarily. It was not something that, that God instituted or even desired for mankind. It was something that man created. Absolutely. But, you know, in the general population and, you know, in the secular world, there's a lot of reasons why people get divorced. And I think that this series um, is on this series. We're going to try to tackle some of those reasons um, that people ultimately decide to go separate ways. And some of those reasons include a lack of commitment. Um, maybe one or another of the spouses was unfaithful. So infidelity, um, unresolved conflict, a loss of identity, which I think is a hot topic these days. Like, um, so we'll get into that um, during the series. Um, abuse, addiction, financial strain, um, lack of preparation for marriage, which I thought was so, um, I don't know, which I thought was so interesting. Like people that didn't go into marriage having had some kind of premarital counseling or preparation for marriage cited that as a reason for their divorce um, and lack of intimacy. Now, this isn't the exhaustive list of things that we'll cover, and we might combine some of these topics, but these are some of the topics that we plan to address during um, the next few weeks as we do our I Don't series. Um, I think about how divorce is typically viewed, and you already kind of alluded to one Harvard psychologist's view of it. Um, I was looking at, again, the American Psychological Association website, and, and basically they insinuated that it's a common part of life. You know, people get married and people get divorced, and it's just... Um, something that happens and a mutual experience that most of us or at least half of us have shared. Yeah. And this is what you, you know, this is what we're kind of taught through um, the way that Hollywood depicts uh, marriage and divorce. And really the the example that we see many times in in media. Right. Um, it's kind of it's it's what our young people grow up understanding and believing and seeing modeled for them. And so. Um, you know, it's it's no surprise that it is such a such a big issue in our churches right. and in our culture. I think the culture views marriage as disposable. Yeah. Like if it's not working, 
just get out. I, I found it interesting, though, on, on that website as well. It, it said healthy marriages are good for the physical and mental health of both spouses and children. And I got to thinking like, yes, healthy marriages, marriages that are thriving. So we should fight for our marriages. We should fight for our marriages to be healthy. But they took it the other direction. So if you're not in a healthy marriage and you don't want to fight, basically, if you feel like it's a toxic relationship, then you should get out because that's not good for you yeah, and it's yeah. not good for your children. Yeah, it's a very consumer-driven and... Um, and, and selfish mentality. So if you're not getting out of your marriage, what you expected to get out of it, then get out of it. If you're not, if, if you're not, you know, getting from your wife or your husband, what you want to get from them, well then go somewhere else and find it. And so it's a consumer driven mentality that our world has adopted. Right. But then I think on, on the flip side, like, okay, so if this is how the world views marriage, we've talked about it some already, but how, does God view marriage and divorce? And I think that it's important to note here that views on divorce, even um, from scripture, are widely varying, even amongst pastors. So um, I don't think that we're going to get into the nitty gritty of when is it okay to divorce? When is it not okay to divorce? Yeah, if, so there's, if there's a, a situation where it is, we, if you want to know more, if you're interested in finding out the nitty gritty, we encourage you to... Seek guidance from your church leadership. Well, yeah, I would say that the purpose of this podcast is not to uh, try to teach you when it's okay to divorce or when it's not okay. That's not our purpose. That's not our goal. Um, I, I realize and I understand that many of you, um, you, you have your, your local churches. And so um, we're not there to pastor you through that and to teach you that. Um, we're simply here to talk about what is God's purpose for marriage. And we understand that all throughout scripture that, that God is clear that uh, divorce, he, he, does not, he does not want divorce for his, his children or for anybody for that right. matter. This is what we know for sure. Marriage is a covenant. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember that. Um, the Bible says in Genesis 2.23 that we are to leave and to cleave. Yeah, and, and so we, t we talked on this podcast before about the covenantal aspect of marriage. And so our marriage is a covenant, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, between my marriage is a covenant between Danielle and, and myself, but not just us two. Like I, when I imagine what we, the actions that we took on that day when we got married, June 10th, you know, 15 years ago now, um, almost, it, it, God was present there. And in that service, it was, it was a worship service where I am making a covenant, not only to, 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 and with Danielle, but also to, and with God, he's involved. So my marriage has a horizontal aspect to it where Danielle and I have this relationship, but our marriage has this vertical aspect to it as well, where Danielle, myself, and God are involved in our marriage too. So this is a commitment. The marriage covenant is a commitment that I've made not only to Danielle, but also to God. Right. And I think back on um, the vows that we took. And sometimes when we're, you know, standing in front of the other person and we're nervous and we're saying these vows, I'm afraid that we're taking them too lightly. Like we don't really think about what am I saying? What am I promising here? Um, and we need to we need to reconsider that 
because it was a promise that I made to you. It was a commitment that I made to you. And it wasn't just a commitment that I made to you. It was a commitment that I made to God. And it was a commitment that I made in front of other people as witnesses so that they can hold me accountable, essentially. Um, and so the vows that I took are, are serious. Mm -hmm. And they are important. Yeah. And they are binding. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so then, you know, when you, when you think about divorce and marriage, what's God's purpose in marriage? Like, what does, what is, what does God want in, in our marriages? And I think Ephesians chapter five, um, we've talked about this again on other episodes, but I just want to cover it real quick one more time. Ephesians five verse 30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined into his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So God's purpose for marriage is that it would be a picture of God's redemptive plan for the world. It would be a picture of the way that Christ would redeem, buy back, purchase the church, his bride. And when we bring divorce into that picture, it really mars the image of, of Christ loving his church Absolutely. unconditionally. Yeah, because God doesn't divorce us. Right. He doesn't say, all right, I'm done with you. You're a lost cause. Forget you. <laughs> he doesn't divorce us. He doesn't quit us. He doesn't leave us. You know, and, and so when you decide to separate a marriage— that's essentially what you're doing. You're marring the picture um, that that God intended for marriage to be. Yeah, yeah. And now here's the thing. You, you know, we've we've said, and I want to reiterate multiple times, we're not here to cast stones. We're not here to make judgments. So if you've experienced this, if you if you've been through the a, a divorce, um, we're not saying that God can't use you. Right. You're and not that, unredeemable. Right. But but what we're saying is, is that God's purpose for marriage is that it would be a picture of his redemptive plan. And so even in Matthew 19, when the Pharisees come to Jesus Christ and they say, hey, tell us about tell us about divorce. Jesus says, let me let me just go over there so I can actually read it from the scripture. But the Pharisees come and, and they ask Jesus this question about marriage and divorce and when is it acceptable. And in Matthew 19, if I can ever get there, he says in verse number, uh, what verse is it? Verse, verse three, we'll start in verse, yeah, three. verse three. The Pharisees come to him, tempting him, saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? I think that's important to note there. God is, or Jesus himself is kind of reiterating that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, in verse number five, and he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain should be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So then they say to him in verse 7, Then why did Moses command uh, to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And then in verse 8, he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the, from the beginning, it was not so. And so God, in, the, in his answer, Jesus points the Pharisees to the purpose of marriage. The purpose of it is to mirror the image of God. And so our marriages should be a picture of, of God and, and Jesus' relationship with the church to a world that needs to see that picture of the gospel. And that's, that's 
that's the purpose and the plan for marriage. Add to that being fruitful and multiplying, add to that completing each other and companionship and all those other things, those other advantages that come along with marriage. But the real purpose of it is for for the world to see the gospel through our marriage relationship. Yeah, it's important for us to understand that God did not create divorce, um, nor did he intend for divorce to be an option. Man created divorce. Yeah, so so with that in mind, with all of that in mind, then, um, what what about your life right now? So let's bring this down to street level. Like, what if someone right now is saying, as they're listening to this podcast, Danielle, well, we are considering divorce. Like we've got these huge, huge issues that are glaring in our marriage that we just can't come to an agreement on. Maybe someone has been unfaithful. Maybe there's just money issues that cannot seemingly be resolved. Maybe there's a fundamental disagreement on how we communicate to each other or on how we raise our children. And I just don't. So so the divorce word has been thrown around and it's on the table and maybe even the papers are in the process of being drawn up. What's some hope that we can offer today? What are some steps that we can take uh, to to maybe avoid uh, avoid that? Sure. I, I think that we need to remember that God's ultimate desire is for our reconcili- reconciliation. Um, essentially, 1 Corinthians 7 addresses that. Um, be reconciled. If, if, you've, if you've been separated, you should seek reconciliation. Um, so I think that when you feel like there's no hope, when you're considering divorce, one, one thing that you, one place you need to begin is by seeking reconciliation. And I know that is easier said than done, but that is an essential step. Yeah, you know, as you listen um, and, and you are in the midst of possibly, you know, a, a a difficult relationship and you hear, you know, these two people on, on a podcast say, well, seek reconciliation. We understand we do not say that lightly. No, no. And we understand that there are heavy and weighty obstacles that that you might that might seem un, insurmountable. Yeah, but I would say this: the reason that we lead with that as a um, suggestion, I guess, is because that's what the Bible says. All throughout the Bible, the purpose is reconciliation. Like that's the redemptive story of Jesus Christ in Genesis chapter one, when or Genesis chapters one through three, when as the earth is created and then Adam and Eve both decide to sin. Immediately, then, what does God do? He sets into plan. Yeah, he he, he sets, sets into, into plan motion a plan for reconciliation. Right. Immediately, and it's reconciliation that He's seeking. It's redemption that He's seeking, and so that's the story of Scripture: reconciliation, redemption. How is Jesus going to buy us back? How are we going to be reconciled to the Father? And that's really the this the story and the encouragement. Of, of our interpersonal relationships all throughout scripture too. Right. Forgive 70 times seven to, you know, constantly be seeking reconciliation, even in church discipline issues and other things like that. And so the story of scripture is reconciliation, reconciliation, reconciliation. And so that's why we lead 
with that as, hey, here's here's a suggestion if you're seeking divorce. Right. And I think something that we should note here is that marriages tend to ebb and flow. Um, we've certainly seen that in our marriages and just speaking with other people throughout the years, I know that they've experienced the same thing. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I love this person so much. And sometimes you feel the exact opposite. And I know <laughs> you never feel the exact opposite. <laughs> For a fact, we ebb and flow. And sometimes those, you know, high points are so high. And then those low points are so low. But we need to be constantly seeking reconciliation with the other person it is a continual process and i think this is i I think this is a a a good point for us to interject here that this is a good life principle beyond marriage just for just for relationships in life that you know as we hurt hurt one another because we do because we're humans we're humans that we are to seek reconciliation and so seek reconciliation don't allow the divorce word to be your way out right um don't do not even do not even make that an option yeah and evaluate the reason you're considering that as as your route maybe as you study scripture and maybe as you get counsel from your 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 pastor you know you might come to a conclusion about the the when divorce is acceptable and when it's not acceptable but evaluate the reason that you're considering that and understand that God's will is always, always forgiveness and reconciliation when possible. And we've said this before, and I think we even said it last week. If you view your spouse as the enemy, then probably reconciliation will not be able to occur. But if you decide together, this divorce thing is not an option, and you together decide to attack the real enemy, which is the obstacle that you're facing— then reconciliation is possible yeah. through through God's help. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good advice. Attack the enemy and not the person. Right. Um, so reconciliation. But then the second thing that, that we would say is this. Seek help. And this is a tough one. Like, because we, by nature, are prideful people, and we don't want to admit that we have, we have problems, that we're broken, and that we need help. And so there are tons of people, though, that that want to help you and find those people and make sure that that they're godly people make sure they're going to give you good advice and they're not just going to be a yes man uh, but understand that you're not in this battle alone sometimes those that are going through difficulties in their marriage feel like they're alone right because the person that was fighting for and with you the most is not there beside you right and sometimes people are embarrassed like we talked before, to admit that they're struggling, to admit that, you know, they need some help. And they feel like, because they do not only feel like they're alone in this battle, but they feel like they're the only ones who are going through this. They're the only ones, they're the only family in the church who are having this problem and considering divorce, um, when that's just not true. Yeah, so I would say they're church leaders, pastors, that are listening, um, you know, those of you that have a position of leadership in your in your local church, it's important that that you give grace and that you come alongside and that you we we are not casting judgment, but that we are offering as much help as we possibly can and helping people to understand that we as as leaders 
are just as broken as they are, and we are in need of just as much help as they are. Right, and and I think about um, Proverbs eleven four that says, "Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety." And and sometimes I wonder. Um, well, you can tell me your thoughts about this. Sometimes I wonder if we should probably be seeking counsel a lot earlier than we do. Yeah. We should be, even when it seems like maybe things are going okay, but we might identify a few things we could use some outside perspective on. Like we're not considering divorce. We're not about to get separated, but maybe we could use some objectivity. Like we need to be willing to just say, hey, would you be willing to counsel us or another godly couple that, you know, you know them well or, you know, you're uh, somebody on the pastoral staff um, at your church. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just need a little bit of help here. We need some outside perspective. Yeah. Almost making it more of a more of a habit of your marriage yeah. as opposed to a knee jerk reaction to your marriage. Right. Like more of a routine. And less of a, this is an emergency situation right, kind right. of a thing. It's, um, it's that, proactive rather than reactive. That's absolutely true. And I think that that would be great for all of us. But I think many of us are just too scared to admit that we're broken. Mm-hmm. Too scared to admit that, hey, if I go for counseling, then people are going to think, you know, we're not good Christians. We're not godly people. And we care really very too much about what other people think of us rather than caring about strengthening our marriages yeah yeah that's good so seek reconciliation seek help and then consider god's plan like we've already talked about it at length um over the last several minutes but consider god's plan it's always a redemptive one it's always to, to to find reconciliation and so take god's example like what is god's example to us we i have failed him so many times turned my back on him so many times but yet he constantly is pursuing. He constantly is there waiting to accept me back. He's constantly providing a way to be reconciled to himself. And so let's take God's example, even in our marriages, even when our spouse fails us, and they will, even when our spouse lets us, lets us down, and they will. Let's take God's example and consider his plan for redemption of mankind, but also the reconciliation and redemption of our own relationships. You don't want to add anything to that? I think you got it fully covered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we um, already talked about that a little bit already. Yeah. So so let's talk about some practical things then. I mean, these these were practical steps, but let's let's talk about, let's finish it out with just a few maybe street level type things. Um, sure. So what are, Josh, some... Like if if somebody is struggling in their marriage, what what would you recommend that they do? They come to you, they're struggling. What do you recommend that they do? Yeah, I think the first step is finding someone that you you trust that you can talk to. So whether that's a uh, a friend that's going to give you godly counsel and advice, or whether that's a pastor, or whether that's some kind of a licensed counselor, but someone that you can trust that's going to give you biblical counsel, godly advice, and not just be, as I said a little bit earlier, the yes man in your life, the person that's going to tell you what you want to hear. Don't live in an echo chamber. And that's where most of us live nowadays because of social media and because of other things. We, we live hearing what we want to hear. 
I can feed myself whatever news I want to feed myself. And most often I do. And that's not a healthy thing when it comes to fighting for my marriage. And so the first step I would, I would say is, especially if you're in a, in a crisis situation where you're on the verge of divorce or that's, that's running through your mind or through your spouse's mind, find somebody that you trust that you can talk to to get some personal counsel. Because while listening to a podcast about marriage is good, um, it's not personal because we don't see into your issue that you're facing. Does yeah, that make sense? We, yeah, we don't we don't know your individual struggle. We can't cater our counsel to exactly what you're going through. So it would be so wise, so advantageous to seek a biblical counselor. Um someone who so, there's a, there's a lot of marital counseling out there, but someone who's going to give you the truth of God's word and and come to you from that perspective, um, which is so important. Yeah. So I would say that's the first, you know, if, if we're calling these pieces of advice, but pieces of advice. it's it's the first step that I would say, take, if you came to me and said, what do I need to do? I'm struggling. We're struggling in our marriage. We're on that verge of divorce. The first thing I would say is take that step to find someone that you trust that right. you can talk to. Schedule that can give some counseling. Counsel. Yeah. The, the next thing I would it. say is this. Don't step away from church. Like it's a it's a it's a temptation because as Danielle said a little bit earlier, this can be for for many people an embarrassing thing. Like I'm I'm facing difficulty in my marriage, you know, we're going through these things and people are beginning to see it and people are beginning to see that our family unit is not is is not operating as it once was. But that's the most dangerous thing to do is to step away from your church family. Surround yourself with your church. And again, church leaders, I think it's important for us to say, hey, we see this and we're with you. Like that's the that's the reason we're here. We're, we're, we're fighting alongside, we're fighting for the families that we have in our church that God has given us to minister to. And even as just lay people in the church, you know, some, sometimes when somebody is going through a difficulty like this, you don't, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to respond. You don't really even know what the truth is because there's two sides to every story. But it's important that we, as a community— are there for each other. Yeah. That we don't judge because people feel like they will be judged and maybe some people out yes. there would. Yes. But we need to and make shame sure on you. Yeah. We need to make sure that we as a church, as a community, are not shying away from people who are struggling in this area and not casting judgment, but are there to offer biblical, godly support and advice and just love. You don't even have to have the answers, people. Right. You just need to love. Well, I think what you said there is is key. Offering biblically, bibli- biblical, godly support. Because sometimes that's what people need. Sometimes people don't need you to have the answer. Right. Sometimes people don't need you to tell them, well, this is the way that you should fix your marriage. Sometimes people aren't looking for your advice. And so don't give it where it's unsolicited. You know, right. if, if you if you have, you know, a, a relationship with that person and can help that person uh, because they trust you, then OK. But sometimes we just as a as a community need to be there to help a hurting person 
Uh, bear ye one another one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is part of our responsibility as Christians. So maybe you found this podcast for whatever reason you came across it, or maybe somebody sent, sent you this episode and said, hey, I know you're going through a difficulty. Listen to this. Maybe you don't even have a church that you are plugged into and that you go to. Can I encourage you? Find a church that's going to love you and that's going to make you accept you as part of their community um, e- even through this and, and help you uh, you know, to, to get through this. Right, and help you to fight for your marriage. Yeah. Um, so, so surround yourself with your church, find someone that you can talk to. And then this is probably the most important one, even though we're listening or listing, listing it, um, thirdly here, but I would say this, seek God's help, stay in God's word, know what God says about your situation, and then pray, pray for yourself, pray for your spouse, pray for those that are coming alongside you and fighting for you and fighting with you. Pray for your children if there are children in the mix. I mean, this can be a, a incredibly difficult situation for your kids. And if it's if it's available to you, pray with your spouse. Pray with that person that God would restore your marriage. When you pray for someone, when you pray with someone, God God intensifies your love for them and knits your heart together in a way that um, that probably was not happening before. Right. I want to go back to what you said about seeking God's help and staying in his word. I think that those are the two most important things that you could possibly do. Um, Because there is so much coming at you from culture, from society, um, and you can start believing lies. You can start believing, oh, this is toxic and you know what? Toxic is unhealthy and Mm -hmm. I should get out because that's what you're hearing from all around you. If you do not consistently seek God, if you're not in his word and you don't know the truth, then you're susceptible to believing lies that you hear because you don't know the difference. You don't know right from wrong. You don't know what God what God wants for you. You don't know what is true because you don't know the Bible where where truth comes from. Yeah. Um. So I I I don't think that we could stress too much. Um. That point. You need to be seeking God. You need to be on your face before Him asking for his help, asking for guidance, asking for wisdom. The Bible says that if you ask for wisdom, he giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You need to be in his word where you get the wisdom from, where you get the truth from. You need to make that a priority in your life. That's just not a, yeah, well, I guess I should be kind of maybe doing this. This is vital. This is your connection. This is your lifeblood. Yeah, yeah. So the final thing I would say is this, is just be patient. Uh, you let God let God work. I mean, I know that's the hardest that's the hardest thing to do. At least for me, I'm a very impatient person, and I want no, really. I are, are you are you <laughs> casting judgment right no, now? No, no, Mister Judging me for my ice cream choices. Oh my goodness, we're I'm, back. To I that. am bitter. I'm I'm, a, I'm an impatient person. I want answers right away. You know, I I want things to happen immediately. I don't like shopping online because. I, I mean, I like the convenience of it, but I don't like waiting for the thing to get to me. I'm constantly like checking. Okay, Are you where serious? is it I'm now? sorry. What did you just say? 
I said I don't like shopping online because I don't like waiting for the thing to get to me. What is wrong with you? That's like my favorite thing to do. Y'all, you don't have to search for the thing you're looking for. It will come to you. I know, but I hate waiting for it to get to me. Oh. That's why I like Amazon because I know it's going to be to me in two days. Oh, goodness. I have a little surprise that is finally waiting at the house for you today. <gasps> for me? Yeah, it's for everybody, but it's oh. for you. Um, um, and it's, What it, you meant is it's been coming if I for, say for you, then it makes me look good. But what you mean is it's probably for the kids. No, it's not for the kids. <laughs> anyways, you can find out in the next episode what that what little is surprise it? is. I love surprises. Um, but anyways, it's been coming for like a week and a half and it just has taken forever. So anyways, okay. be patient. Keep, keep going. Back keep to going. what we were Sorry. saying. Sorry, di we digress. <laughs> Be, be patient and wait for God to work in your life, in your spouse's life, in your marriage, because God can do the miraculous. God can work in ways that we never can. Um, but it, and, but, but it, it's going to take time. Right. Yes. And it's going to be hard work. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing, am I willing to put forth the effort? Am I willing to wait and part of that patience is commitment. Oh, absolutely. Being willing to work on it. Am I willing and, to commit? Yeah. Am I willing to work on it? Am I willing to follow God's plan for my marriage? Yeah. Is essentially what we're what you're asking yourself. But be patient. And you know, I think that some somebody might be out there listening to this podcast saying, "What if I've already gotten divorced? Like, what do I do now?" Yeah. And what would you say to them? Why are you showing me your notes? Do because you, have, you want me to read you them? didn't look, you didn't take my notes, and so you didn't know I was going to ask that question. Oh, so I'm so showing, showing you the fact. The answer. I'm asking okay. you the question there because it was on my notes. There is hope in God. Is that <laughs> is that the right answer? That's not what. It, well, <laughs> yes, there is. See, no, I, I, honestly, I want to know what you what you would say to someone. Yeah, so somebody somebody has already been divorced, and um, you know that that becomes sticky because now you know what. What has happened after that? I would say continue to seek reconciliation as much as is possible, um, and and understand that God forgives and that God uh, th that as we said earlier in the podcast that you are not without hope. It's not that you you divorced and now you're never going to be used by God again. No, we see all throughout Scripture God taking broken things, broken people, broken situations, and using them for his honor and for his glory and using those people in magnificent ways. My mind goes to Rahab, you know, who who um, was used in the line of Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, my mind goes to David. David, who, who committed, you know, a, a terrible sin, but yet was used in a, in a mighty way by God became a man after God's own heart, which, by the way, was said said of him after that sin was committed. Right. So there I, I guess our point is there's hope for all of us. Yes. And that's what we want to leave you with today. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, um, that that what she just said is our goal for this whole series. Again, I want to reiterate one last time. It's not to cast stones or judgment. We are want you to have hope. And so thank you for joining us today. I hope that we have given you a little bit of hope. You know, whenever we say that today. word, you know what I think about? What? Help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> You're our only hope. <laughs> well, that's not that's not true. It's not true. It was true in the movie. But in our life, right. 
It's Jesus Christ. Yes. He's our yes. only hope. Help us, Jesus. You are truly our only hope. That's right. Um, so listen, thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, we are going to have a giveaway over on the Facebook page this next week. So it's it'll start on Monday. Um, that bonus episode will drop early next week, and then we'll have a giveaway um, next week as well. So make sure you visit our Facebook page over at the He Said what She is, Said podcast. I don't, I, I don't even know anything about the giveaway. I know, so I have to talk to you. I have two ideas. Okay. I have two. So ideas. we haven't decided yet, people. So you have to check out the Facebook page to find out which one we decide on. Okay. But um, we will have a giveaway over on the Facebook page. Yeah. He said, she said podcast. So I'll tell there. you what, y'all. I love me some free stuff. Well, you're not getting it. I know, but I'm excited for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm excited for the, the listeners. Free stuff's the best. It is the best. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week on He Said, She Said. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing.